This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. The Kinescope Initiative Episode 149. A sitcom review in chronological order. From the SFPP and Television Center, take it away, Mark. Thank you, announcer Bod, and welcome to the Kinescope Initiative, a sitcom review in chronological order. Let's continue with the sitcoms of 1987. Second Chance, a.k.a. Boys Will Be Boys, premiered on Fox on September 26, 1987 at 9 p.m., a high-concept gimmick series involving the afterlife, which got a major overhaul in the middle of a short run. The show started with Charles Keel Martin, who, in the faraway year of... 2011... is killed in a hovercraft accident. He's sent up to see St. Peter, Joseph Mayer, who declares him not good enough for heaven or bad enough for hell. So he's sent back in time 24 years to 1987 in order to act as a guardian angel to his younger self, played by Matthew Perry. He rents a room over the garage of his family home, dealing with his mother, Randy Heller, who keeps thinking he seems familiar. Charles and Chaz become friends, and Charles acts as a father figure to himself. Chaz has two buddies, Booch, Billy Gallo, and Eugene, Demian Slade. Meanwhile, St. Peter, who you would think had better things to do, monitored Charles's progress in improving Chaz. Got it? Well, the audience didn't, ratings collapsed, and the show was taken down for retooling. It returned in January as Boys Will Be Boys. The elder Charles and St. Peter were gone, as was the whole supernatural angle, with the show becoming a generic slacker kids comedy. Booch moved into the room vacated by the former Charles, who no longer existed. Terry Ivins was added as Chaz's girlfriend, Debbie. I think we'll wait to cover Matthew Perry, as he will have a slightly higher profile show on in a few years. We covered Randy Heller in episode 92, a.k.a. episode 88A, for Husbands, Wives, and Lovers. Keel Martin came up through Repertory Theater in Florida before moving to New York. He got a universal contract, then had a motorcycle accident that resulted in two years of recuperation. He appeared in the TV movie Moonrunners, which was the basis for The Dukes of Hazard. In the early 90s, he began a long run on Hill Street Blues as Detective LaRue. Martin died of lung cancer in 1990 at age 46. Billy Gallo would go on to runs on Who's the Boss, Soldier of Fortune Incorporated, and Days of Our Lives, as well as films Pretty Woman and Crash. Demian Slade, decades later, would go on to create, produce, and star in a series called Untreated. Terry Ivins went on to Medicine Ball, All My Children, Hotel Deloon, and The Bay, as well as the Trancers franchise. The retooling of Second Chance into Boys Will Be Boys did not help. It ran for a few more months before it was put out of its misery. The show has an interesting footnote. The pilot has a throwaway joke about Colonel Gaddafi being judged after his recent death in 2011. 
exactly 24 years after 1987, in 2011, Gaddafi was in reality killed and by the same method as described on the show, multiple gunshot wounds. I found the pilot on YouTube. Heaven is about as stereotypical as you would imagine, with the route to heaven and hell looking like a game show. There's a whole lot of setup here. The opening theme is very generic and 80s-esque, kind of reminiscent of Miller Milkus. The script is atrocious. Perry is already developing his snark. But boy, is this show stupid. Would you swim the ocean? Yeah, yeah. Now that's devotion. Everything's Relative premiered on CBS on October 3rd, 1987 at 8.30 p.m. Not to be confused with a sitcom from 12 years later, neither of which lasted very long. Meet the BB brothers, Julian, a divorced 33-year-old businessman, Jason Alexander, and Scott, a 25-year-old single construction worker, John Bolger. They share a loft apartment in Soho. Gina Hecht plays Julian's business partner, Tony Deacon Natoli plays the brother's buddy, and Ann Jackson plays their meddling mother. We'll cover Jason Alexander in due time, and we covered Gina Hecht in episode 97 for His Honor. John Bolger would go on to a run on Beauty and the Beast and was a regular on The Third Watch. Films include Twins and Carlito's Way. Tony Deacon Natoli went on to a run on The Wonder Years. Ann Jackson trained at the Neighborhood Playhouse and the Actors Studio, making it to Broadway in King Henry VIII, What Every Woman Knows, John Gabriel Borkman, Arms and the Man, O Men, O Women, Middle of the Night, Winning a Tony, Major Barbara, Love, Twice Around the Park, Lost in Yonkers. She also won an Obie for Off-Broadway's The Typist and the Tiger. Jackson got involved in early live TV dramas, had a run on The Doctors, but Everything's Relative was her only regular TV series work. She won an Emmy for her role in a TV movie. Jackson appeared in films Tall Story, The Secret Life of the American Wife, Dirty Dingus McGee, The Shining, Funny About Love. Jackson retired in 2008 and passed in 2016. Everything's Relative did not last long, canceled in only six episodes with four more never aired. Shockingly, I found an episode on YouTube from Tony Natoli's own account. The opening theme is, not surprisingly, about brothers. There's a lot of wisecracks and snark flying back and forth. Bolger's character is quite the ladies' man. Heck's character has feelings for Jason's character. Natoli plays a variation on The Wacky Neighbor. Ann Jackson is wasted on this show. The laugh track is laid on thick, and it needs it. Perhaps if the show had been about nothing. Women in Prison premiered on Fox on October 11, 1987 at 8.30 p.m., one of many early Fox series that came and went in the wind. It's a broad parody of the women's prison films of the 50s and 60s. Naive Vicky, 
Julia Campbell finds herself behind bars after being framed for shoplifting. She has to deal with her fellow inmates, tough black murderer Dawn, CCH Pounder, gay British hooker Bonnie, Antoinette Byron, computer embezzler Pam, Wendy Jo Sperber, and aging bank robber Eve, Peggy Cass. Blake Clark plays the warden, and Denny Dillon, a sadistic guard. We covered Wendy Jo Sperber in episode 104 for Bosom Buddies, Peggy Cass in episode 27 for The Hathaways. Julia Campbell got her start on the soaps, Ryan's Hope, Santa Barbara, and we go on to TV's Herman's Head, Cutters, Blue Skies, A Whole New Ball Game, Men Behaving Badly, Champs, Martial Law, Dexter, Tell Me a Story, with a lot of guest roles, and films Opportunity Knocks and Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. CCH Pounder was born in Guyana and worked her way up through regional theater in the U.S. Her first role was in All That Jazz. Other films, I'm Dancing As Fast As I Can, Pritzi's Honor, Baghdad Cafe, Robocop 3, Face Off, Avatar, with regular or recurring runs on Cop Rock, L.A. Law, Return to Lonesome Dove, E.R. with an Emmy nom, Millennium, The Shield with an Emmy nom, Brothers, Law & Order Special Victims Unit, Warehouse 13 as Mrs. Frederick, Sons of Anarchy, and just finished a long run on NCIS New Orleans. She got two more Emmy noms for guest work. Getting into voice work on Rocket Power, Justice League Unlimited as Amanda Waller, Fallout, and Skylanders. Antoinette Byron was born in Australia and got roles there in soaps. Her first U.S. role was on All My Children, which came just before Women in Prison. It didn't agree with her, so she returned to Australia for more shows there, including Home and Away. Blake Clark is a Vietnam vet and got started in the biz as a stand-up comic. He started getting TV work in the early 80s, with regular or recurring roles on Hot Flashes, Remington Steel, The Drew Carey Show, Home Improvement, The Jamie Foxx Show, Boy Meets World, Smilf, and the current United States of Al. He also got into voice work, The New Woody Woodpecker Show, Fish Hooks, and after his close friend Jim Varney passed away, he took over the role of Slinky Dog in the Toy Story franchise. Other films, St. Elmo's Fire, Wired, Ladybugs, Toys, The Mask, The Water Boy, Little Nicky, Joe Dirt, Eight Crazy Nights, Fifty First Dates, and I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Denny Dillon was in the Broadway cast of the 1974 Gypsy Revival, but her first major role was in the second generation of SNL. You know, the one that almost killed the franchise. She went on to films Garbo Tox, Life on the Edge, and on TV, Dream On, and voice work on Bobby's World, Problem Child, Ice Age, and Courage the Cowardly Dog. She is currently artist-in-residence at SUNY Ulster, where she teaches improv. Parody is rarely successful as a sitcom concept, and Women in Prison lasted just 13 weeks. I found the pilot on YouTube. The opening theme is a parody of a 50s torch song and is probably the best part of the show. Vicky's husband-slash-lawyer throws her under the bus. The cells are completely over-decorated, and the women wear civvies. I guess the joint is trying to be progressive. Peggy Cass, known more to the audience for her decades on game shows, steals every scene she's in. Sperber plays a computer hacker who is improbably given a computer in her cell. Can't remember the question in all the confusion. Close your eyes if you really 
Pursuit of Happiness premiered on ABC on October 30, 1987 at 9.30 p.m. Not to be confused with a 1995 sitcom or the 2006 film. Stand-up Paul Provenza plays a history professor who gets a job at a small school in Philadelphia. He's there to meet his historian idol played by Brian Keith. Turns out he's gruff. Big surprise. Judy Aronson plays Keith's daughter, Wendell Mendrum, an Egyptian scholar, and Wesley Thompson played Provenza's buddy. There were two other characters on the show, two more idols of Provenza's character, who would come to life when he had a problem. Thomas Jefferson was played by Kevin Scannell, and Magic Johnson was played by Magic Johnson. We covered Brian Keith in episode 47 for Family Affair, Uncle Beal! and Wesley Thompson in episode 130 for He's the Mayor. Paul Ferenza began doing stand-up in high school, and this would eventually lead to the talk and game show circuits. He hosted Nickelodeon show Kids Court, as well as early Comedy Central interview show Comics Only. Decades later, he would host The Green Room, a similar series. He had runs on The Facts of Life, which ran alongside this series, Empty Nest, Northern Exposure, and Beggars and Choosers. Provenza moved into producing and directing, including the film The Aristocrats, where comics tell the same disgusting joke. He also won awards for an off-Broadway play, Just Kidding. Judy Aronson appeared in films Friday the 13th, The Final Chapter, Weird Science, Hannibal, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and did a lot of TV guest work. Wendell Meldrum was a Canadian actress and had runs on Knott's Landing, The Wonder Years, and Less Than Kind. She played the low talker on Seinfeld. Meldrum passed last year. Kevin Scannell was a character actor normally playing dumpy guys. He recorded or was a regular on Harper Valley PTA, Just in Time, Malloy, Julie, with dozens of guest spots, and appeared in films Turner and Hooch, The Player, and Bowfinger. He passed in 2019. Irvin Magic Johnson is far better known for his work on the basketball court. In junior high, he once scored 48 points in a game. He was bused to a mostly white high school where he became a star athlete, winning a state championship, and named to the high school All-American team. He continued his success at Michigan State, although he initially planned to become a TV commentator. In 1979, he played in the NCAA championship game versus Indiana State senior Larry Bird in what was the most watched college game ever. Michigan State won that game. Johnson went into the NBA draft after two years of college, drafted first overall to the Lakers, where he played with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. In 1981, Johnson signed the highest-paying contract in sports history up to that time, becoming one of the dominant players of the 1980s. In 1991, he announced he contracted HIV and retired from the NBA. A year later, he was included in the Dream Team, the first set of pros in the Olympics. He became the coach of the Lakers in 1994 and then attempted another comeback as a player. In his NBA career, he totaled 17,707 points, 6,559 rebounds, and 10,141 assists. Named to multiple all-time teams and the 50 greatest players of all time, he hosted one of the many late 90s unsuccessful talk shows and has been a basketball commentator and analyst for decades. He's also an owner of the L.A. Dodgers, Sparks, and L.A. Football Club. Johnson is also an activist for HIV causes. 
He's won a Grammy for a spoken word album. There wasn't a lot of happiness being pursued on this series. Ten episodes and gone. Found the pilot on YouTube. The opening theme goes from fife and drum to an R&B number. The opening theme is about dreams, and there's a lot of dream sequences on the show, not just Jefferson and Magic. Provenza is quite engaging. The rest of the cast, not so much. Beverly Hills Bunce premiered on NBC on November 5th, 1987 at 9.30 p.m. Although the show didn't actually premiere as a series until March of 1988, more about that in a moment. NBC had just lost one of the main reasons they had survived the early 80s, Hill Street Blues. They were looking for a way to extend the success of that series, so they took two characters from it and made it a dramedy. Norman Bunce, Dennis Franz, punches out the chief in the final episode of Hill Street Blues and is spun out, along with his favorite street snitch, Sid, Peter Jurassic. They move to sunny L.A. and start a P.I. agency in a fish-out-of-water tale. Dana Wheeler-Nicholson plays a business neighbor and writer. Dennis Franz is a Vietnam vet who got started in the biz in Chicago theater where he got typecast playing cops. He got into films, The Fury, Dressed to Kill, Blowout, Scarface, and TV shows Chicago Story and Bay City Blues, all before one of his best-known roles, Lieutenant Norman Bunce on Hill Street Blues. More films, Die Hard 2, The Player, and the TV series Nasty Boys followed, then his other major TV work, NYPD Blue, where he won four Emmys out of eight noms over 12 years. He also won a Golden Globe and two SAG Awards. During that run, France did voice work on Mighty Ducks, the animated series, as well as films American Buffalo and City of Angels. Franz retired after his NYPD Blue run. Peter Jurassic primarily did TV guest work in the early 80s, before his regular work on Bay City Blues, Hill Street Blues, and this series. He had a run on Dear John before his regular role of Londo on Babylon 5. Film work includes Tron, Problem Child, and 42. Today, he teaches acting. Dana Wheeler-Nicholson has had a long, successful career since the mid-80s in films The Little Drummer Girl, Fletch, Tombstone, Bye Bye Love, Fast Food Nation, and TV All My Children, Friday Night Lights, and Nashville. She's also the granddaughter of Major Malcolm Wheeler-Nicholson, a World War I veteran and pulp writer. In 1935, he published the first comic book with all new material, prior comics were Sunday Funnies reprints, called New Fun. His company would later become DC Comics, although the major would be long gone before it became a massive success. NBC was convinced Beverly Hills Bunce would be a hit, so they took their time. Three different pilots were shot while trying to find a balance between comedy and drama. The dramedy was a new concept then. The show was used as a monthly designated hitter in the hammock slot between Cheers and Night Court. Finally, in March 1988, the show aired in its initial and final time slot, 9.30 Fridays between Night Court, also moved there, and Miami Vice. The other two shows continued on. Not so much Beverly Hills Bunce. Thirteen episodes, including the three pilots, with four of them never aired. 
found an episode on YouTube. They really hadn't found the dramedy balance. Bunce is abrasive. Sid is very annoying. He's a scam artist. The show has a Rockford Files vibe. We finish up 1987 in our next episode. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out Instagram at sfpodnetwork. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Well, I'm filing this episode in the archive. Tune in next time.